Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And have we got a show for you today. I tell you, I have been looking forward to this all day long because my guest today also has her own podcast, and I was on her podcast earlier today, so I got a taste of this before you guys did. Let me tell you, the taste of lemonade is really sweet because that's what this is about. This is the host of Heidi's Lemonade Stand, Heidi Aldridge, and wait till you hear from this lady. She is amazingly optimistic, amazingly positive, and just fun to talk to. So, hi, Heidi. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. Quite the introduction. No, no pressure there. I'm being like a really. Oh, uh, no, we don't do pressure around here. <laughs> pressure awesome. would go out the window. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to well, be here. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you. And, uh, when, when we first connected, we went through one of these, um, online sources where hosts and guests can kind of intermingle and so forth. And of course, we're both hosts. Uh, and, and when I saw the name of your podcast for the first time, I said, Oh, what a great name. Cause I got it instantly, you know, turn lemons into lemonade. As soon as I saw it, it just made total sense to me. So kudos on, on the naming of the podcast, first of all, but there was also a backstory behind that. And let's start there. Cause as so often happens, um, with really great interviews, and this is a great interview, I think it all starts with a really rough situation. Talk about that rough, rough situation you went through. Yeah, right. That's exactly why I have the lemonade stand. And I talk to people about their challenges that turn into good situations. So it's the same thing. But thank you. Um, Yeah, it was hard to name it the lemonade stand because I thought it was kind of a corny saying, you know, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. But there really is no better description for this podcast than that. So it actually came about a long, long time ago. I'll take you way back. Um, to when I was actually a, a young child, a youth, a teenager, and I was made fun of so badly, just constantly, mm. constantly teased about the way I looked. And it got to the point where I decided the world would be better off not having to look at my face anymore. Ugh. And so I thought I need to take my life so that I can do everyone a favor. And so I had pretty much decided that's, that was the only solution and spent my days kind of planning that, preparing for that, and getting ready for that. Luckily, in the meantime, I had great siblings and and uh, uh, friends in my life that just kept me going that little bit each day that kind of counteracted the bullying a little bit, if you could say. But I, I hung on there. I kept persevering, but yet in the back of my mind, always thinking of this way out to really solve the world's problems of having to look at me. Then when I was 16, it was just a couple of days after Thanksgiving, uh, it was Saturday and we got, uh, the police came to our door and told us that our dad had just taken his own life. Mm. And that definitely does something to you in that yeah. moment to hear that. Luckily it snapped me out of the desire to take my own life at that time. Really? Was, yeah. It was so painful to be the people left behind mm. and to not understand why. And to realize that his suicide note said everybody would be better off without him now, mm-hmm. which is exactly what my thinking was and realizing that didn't help any of us that he did that. Mm-hmm. 
And so I remember going back to school on Monday after he died on Saturday. I went back to high school on Monday and all of a sudden I could just see people like that I hadn't really noticed before because I was so consumed with myself and feeling sorry for myself and that I was so ugly and, you know, just consumed. But after that, I remember going to school and being like, wow, all these people and they all have stories and they all have experiences and they all have things they're dealing with and they all have pain and lives, you know? And I was just like, wow, wow. People have different experiences as well. And I just wanted to reach out and be able to connect with like everybody I saw walking down the halls. I'm like, I see you. I'm here for you. I want to be your friend. And I just started kind of finding this way of just wanting to get to know people and hear their stories and be their friend and end up changing my whole life at that time to just be able to be not so consumed with myself. That's so, fantastic. That's cool. So it comes yeah. to negative is a little bit of positive that came from that experience, but yeah, yeah, it was a hard time. And of course this is a podcast. So 99% of the people can't see you like I can't, right. but, right. but to me, that just makes it even more amazing that you were being teased that way. You're a beautiful young woman. I can't understand <laughs> where that comes from. So I, I mean, they, they, it had to be about them. It couldn't possibly have been about you because I can just see you and know they're wrong about that. So it's oh. not that it was something else. But, well, uh, obviously people have their issues as well. And I've learned yeah. that hurt people hurt people. And so I understand that now as I'm older, but Back then, I, you know, it wasn't really called bullying then back in the 80s, right. you know, it was just, oh, kids being mean or, you know, they're jealous of you or whatever crazy things that teachers would tell you that why. It was putting up with it. That's really what it was yes, called. Yes, it really was. It was just yeah. dealing with it. It was mm -hmm. not, not fun. Um, but yeah, it got so bad. My features were definitely bigger than my face and I definitely struggled. Uh, you know, you have that seventh grade school picture that nobody likes of themselves, right. but I just kind of stayed in that <laughs> phase for a little too long. I think <laughs> so it was, it was miserable. It was hard. Um, so yeah, but then, you know, fast forward 10 years after that. And now, you know, I'm married and I have a couple of kids, but I'm dealing with years of infertility and it mm. just started, uh, coming back again of just, not enough and I'm not good enough and I'm being punished and I must not be a good mom and I must not be a good person. You know, why can't I be blessed with another child that I want so badly? And it just really mm. took me into a spiral of a depression and again, consumed with myself. And, um, that's when the lemonade stand was actually born was at that time because I had a friend tell me that she didn't want to be my friend anymore. She got sick of being around me because I was so negative. Uh -oh. And I was, I really was. And I appreciate her telling me that and being honest with me mm -hmm. because I needed kind of that wake up call. Yeah. I and I started, uh, started looking outside myself again at that point and realizing, wow, people have stories. People have yeah. way worse challenges than I was ever going through. And I started a radio talk show back in 1999. Wow. It was the lemonade stand. And I started interviewing people live on the radio to hear their stories. So that it was is, a great experience. Was yeah. <laughs> and, and you continued it by doing a podcast afterward, which is even yes. better. I yeah. That. I ended up taking, well, the miracle happened when I started my radio talk show several months later. Um, oh. my miracle, miracle pregnancy, you know, after all those years of infertility. And so I took a break when my baby was born, right before she was born, I kind of signed off the radio, like, okay, I'm taking a break. I have this new baby coming. I'll, I'll come back. 
and 20 years later, I came back as a podcast. <laughs> so, geez, well, you didn't say how long it was going to be. Nope. You just said you were going to come back. I mean, this yeah. is very straightforward, right? <laughs> right. I never gave a time frame. <laughs> so I just needed to relish that time with being a mom again and feeling so blessed and having this miracle to kind of try again. And I waited so long and I just didn't want to miss a minute of it and didn't want to wish any of it away. And my perspective had changed so much. Mm-hmm. interviewing all these people and learning just how valuable life is, how valuable relationships are. Yeah. And I just didn't want to be distracted. So I took a break <laughs> and it was, it was beautiful and wonderful. She's a big girl now on her own living in New York city, actually. So New York city. Oh, yeah. good for her. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. Not so far away from where I am. I'm in Connecticut. So okay. yeah, that's pretty close. I'm in Utah, so it's very far from me. It's very far from me. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a hike. I've yeah, been there. Yeah, I do not love that, but yeah. So that's my whole story in a in a few minute little recap. So I'm sorry, I kind of went really quick there. <laughs> so. Oh, that's all right. No problem. Actually, that's part of what we like is is stories that you know they they entertain us, they grab our attention. <laughs> They maybe have a lesson attached to them or not. Maybe they're just fun. Maybe they're just, you know, like a good laugh, but we love stories. And, and so a short story means there's more room for more stories. Is the way I look at it. <laughs> That's true. I do have a lot of stories, a yeah. lot of examples of why I do what I do and why I teach what I teach. So yeah, I'm ready. The, the other thing too is as you were telling your story, it was reminding me of what we went through when we did your podcast earlier. You asked for my story and you, you mentioned how, um, I can't remember how you said it, but the, the gist of it was you, you were so focused on yourself, which is really another way of saying that you didn't feel good in your own skin. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a, I think that's a feeling we all know, we all recognize. And in fact, you described how you had gotten to the point where you were just so negative about everything. And as soon as you said that, I said, oh, my God, that was me, too. <laughs> because and, and my listeners know this story because I've told it so many times. But when I was. Uh, I, I told you on, on your show about how I had the business. The business crashed in 2008 with a financial crisis, struggled for four years and so forth. And I told you the, the amazing story that happened after that, which listeners have also heard. Uh, but there was one thing that was happening during that 2008 to 2012 period, which would happen periodically because I was very negative in that period. And periodically, my wife, who was also dealing with her own stuff, would get, kind of get fed up with me being so negative and, and, and she's a former psychotherapist. So she would try creative things, right. To, to help me deal with, deal with the whole thing. So, you know, if I was in a really bad space, she would like, if I was lying down on the couch or something like that, she'd come over to the couch, straddle me, grab you by the t-shirt, shake my t-shirt and say, snap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it would make me do exactly that. I would start laughing and you know, I would snap out of it for a moment, but boy, oh boy, it, it, it it's one of those things where you ask, wow, how could I have stayed there so long? She was trying so hard to snap me out of it, but I wasn't snapping out of it. Well, because I wasn't ready to snap out of it yet. Right. I hadn't, I hadn't come face to face with a few facts. One of which was I couldn't do it all myself. I needed some help. Yep. And if you had asked me at that time, I would have said, Oh no, I'm not trying to do it all myself. And then I would try to go do it all myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just one of those weird things. And I think the reason that I was doing that is probably very similar to what other people's reasons are. I, I felt like I needed to prove myself. I felt like, it, well, that, that's pretty much what I was taught growing up. That's what my parents' generation were. My parents were the, the, the depression era kids and they were taught 
you know, first of all, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. Second of all, there's never enough. You have to always be scrimping and saving. Yeah. And third of all, you have to work your fingers to the bone. And if you do, you'll get ahead in life. And that meant it's all on you, which, by the way, is all a lie. I'm just a little, a little spoiler alert. You know, for those of you who are thinking about going down that road, don't go down that road. It's not worth it. But nevertheless, it took a while to come to terms with the fact that what I've been taught really didn't work at all. And I kind of suspect there was some, not necessarily the same thing, but a similar thing going on with you. Absolutely, for sure. For sure, okay. <laughs> definitely, yes, definitely. My thinking really got in my way most of the time, and it wasn't mm. correct thinking. And I, I was so grateful when I learned about the secret and the law of attraction, because mm. I was that type of person that I didn't realize the power of my thoughts to the right. point where I was attracting all the negative things into my life yes. because I was so certain that it was going to be bad. And so I go through every day, like I literally would get up and be like, Oh, I wonder what bad things going to happen to me today. <laughs> I know. Right. I'm oh. Like, oh, I can't believe I thought that. <laughs> but I did the same thing. <laughs> it was terrible. But, and it was that kind of that training of like, you work your butt off for whatever you need, you know, mm -hmm. and you just, you make it happen. It's all on you. And if something bad happens, it's because you were, you deserve it. And oh, I don't know. It was just terrible. So I just had this terrible thinking of what bad, I mean, it got to the point where we'd get like a tax return of money and I'd be like, oh, I wonder what's going to break now because we've got this extra money that's going to go to repairing something, right? <laughs> So oh, with me, it was even worse with tax returns. Oh. I, I'm actually, I'm much better now, but tax returns were a time for me to basically panic for a three week period. It was just, <laughs> just one continuous period of panic one day after the next, absolutely convinced that I had screwed up because I, I mean, I've been uh, self-employed for all these years, right? Oh, so I had yeah. to do my own schedule C and all that kind of thing. Absolutely convinced that I had screwed it up. There was something that, that we weren't going to be able to have enough money. We hadn't put enough went into the quarterly payments, all this stuff, and it would always bounce out by the time the taxes were done. And I'd go through the same cycle every single year. Oh, it's going to be terrible. All these horrible things are going to happen, and then they never happen. And my wife, after a while, she was kind of like, you know, she's looking like, okay, we're going to do this one again. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my husband would say that, too. He's like, at the end of the month, you know, when all the bills are paid, and I'd be panicking the whole month, like, we're not going to make it. We don't have enough. You know, we don't have enough money. And we would, we'd have about 25 bucks left at the end of the month, but we had enough. <laughs> right. And he'd right. be like, see, <laughs> you know, we had enough last month. We have enough this month. We're going to be fine. But every month he had to just do that to me. Like, see, I told you we were going to be fine. And I, I struggled with that bad. I really, yeah, the first 10 years or so of our marriage was just so hard on him just of me mm. being so negative. But again, that's when this infertility happened, when the friend told me she couldn't be around me because I was so negative. And that's when I was like, that's when I learned about the secret was after that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, everything I think of like good or bad, you know, I have this power and I can bring it to me. And oh, yeah. So I've watched myself ever since then and just be really careful of what I put out there and what visions I have for myself. And it's been life-changing. It's been so much better as I look for the good and look for the positive and focus on other things and not myself and focus on uplifting others. It just comes back to me so much more. I'm just so blessed. Mm, it's been amazing. True. Yeah. I'm curious as you have gone through the learning period, because there is a learning period that's involved in that. Absolutely. As you went through that learning period, did you find like 
for myself shortly after I saw the secret and really started to understand to at least some degree before I did the podcast, that's where I learned the rest of it. But uh, to some degree, I kind of gathered how the whole thing worked and realized I had to be monitoring my thoughts. And I, I talk about panic. I went into panic mode of, Oh my God, I have so many negative thoughts. I can't monitor all those. <laughs> that's too much work. I'll never get through a day if I have to. Of course, it's another negative spiral at that point. But did, did you go yep. through the same thing? Absolutely. Yes. But then when I could see it so night and day difference, like mm-hmm. instead of getting up and going, what bad thing is going to happen today? You know, and then I could get up and go, well, I wonder if something good might happen today. Like I could, I could maybe possibly put that out there in the universe, you know? And so it was like, and then all of a sudden I noticed good things happening today. And I was got afraid of like saying, I wonder what bad thing is going to happen now because that would manifest every time. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say that anymore. So for me, yes, it was a learning curve, certainly, but because it was so quick, at least with the positive and negative thinking aspect of it, I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that thinking anymore. You know, and of course, when you have a tragedy in your life or a hard time, it's easy to kind of go, why me? And why did this happen? And this isn't fair. And I'm, you know, I didn't deserve that, you know, because it's a natural feeling when something tragic happens to you. Sure. But then I can still find the gift in it. And that's Mm -hmm. where it's been such a blessing. And I've been able to kind of look back usually after the tragedy and find some kind of good that has come from it, something I've learned from it, some gift that it's brought into my life because of it. And so now even with really hard things, I don't label them like, hard or good or bad, you know, it's just like, it is what it is. Let's just take it in and get through it and learn from it. And so I try not to let myself like marinate in that anymore of that negativity. And this is so bad. And why me? Because it would just compound on me if I did that, Mm. it gets worse. So that's been kind of one of my tactics is just kind of not labeling it and just seeing seeing it as a gift in my life, whatever it is. And I've had somebody recently tell me that if we say, why me about the negative things in our life, we should always, always be saying, why me about the positive things in our life. That's, right? that's a good point. Yeah. It applies both directions. If you're yeah. going to ask the question, if you're going to ask the question, you need to ask it for both things. Yeah. yeah. And so that's been eye opening for me. Or I used to say, life isn't fair. That's not mm. fair. You know, that's not fair. And I had a friend tell me like, life isn't fair and we wouldn't want it to be. And Mm. I'm like, no, I want it to be fair. I think, you know, it should be fair. We should all be treated the same. And she's like, no, no, no. If life was fair, then the tragedy that's happening to your neighbor or your friend would have to happen to you too. You know, like it goes both ways. So Mm. all the good that's happening to those people in your life, the bad would have to happen to you as well. And so I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want it to be fair. Then I don't want to have to go through what everybody else is going through. Like, and you're just glad to take your own problems, right? You're like, I'll keep my problems. They're just for me. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Yeah. It's funny too, that, that phrase, I hadn't thought about that one in a while and we haven't talked about it on, a, on the show in a long time. The idea of what's fair. Yeah. I mean, that I honestly, I, I gave up on the whole idea of, of, it's fair or it's not fair decades ago, long before I had my major crisis or anything like that. And part of it was because I looked at what the words literally meant, not metaphorically, what they literally meant to be fair is to be just beautiful. 
Oh, just, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. That's, uh, uh, you know, fair is a just fair oh, fair. Yes, so nice, so nice. So that's the way I've always thought about it. So whenever somebody says life isn't fair, I say, really? Are you looking at the same life I am? Because <laughs> it's a beautiful life. Oh, that's it so is. interesting. I love that yeah. description of it. For me, fair was always equal. You know, yes. fair means equal. And yeah. so when I would complain, I grew up with four younger brothers and I was the only girl. That's not fair, you know? And so everything had to start from that. It's not fair. It's mm-hmm. not fair that they get to do this and I do that. It's not fair that I have to do this. And, you know, right. so it's just been my whole like chant that I would say when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I can see why you'd want to get rid of that one. That, I, that would, that certainly would be a little toxic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm glad that one's gone. Yes. Yeah, that's very good. Good for you. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> Um, something else that was coming to mind too, uh, while we were doing our, your show earlier today is we, we both have been through this, this period of negativity and it's often called a dark night of the soul, but it's, it's more often than anything else. It's, it's a dark night of, of talking ourselves down <laughs> and right. we're the ones who are doing it to ourselves. Right. I, I think back to what I went through to change that around. You've described how you changed around that you were really sensitized to noticing how it was stuff was coming back to you in a big way. And I, I have to admit, I noticed that too. But by the same token, even if I would notice it, it was amazing how often I would trip up. And I still do at times. I would just trip up on, you know, okay, I'm going to spend this day you know, focusing on what I love. I'm not going to pay any attention to the stuff I don't like. I'm, I'm going to celebrate things. And then five minutes later, I'd be complaining or pissing off or whatever about this, that, or the other thing. And I'd oh, say, wait a minute, what happened? Where'd my, I had this really strong, dedicated desire and I just lost it five minutes ago. What happened? Oh my goodness. Yes. I can totally relate with what you're saying. I know exactly what you mean. I do that all the time. You know, you start out real good. You're like, it's fine. Life is good. And then something hits you and you're like, no, it's not. This is hard. No, I get that. Um, one thing I've learned is to start questioning my thoughts. Like that was always something I just, well, I thought it, it must be true and just go with it. But now I'm like, well, just cause I thought it doesn't mean it's real even or that it's true. And so That's it's good. been really good for me. And I actually had to tell myself like, okay, I had this negative thought. Okay. Like one I share lately because I have naturally curly hair, but I straighten my hair. And if I have my hair curly, that means I haven't, that I'm just out of the shower. I haven't done my hair yet. Right. And so Uh, to me, if my hair was curly, I felt like I wasn't ready. I felt like I was being lazy. I felt like, um, it wasn't presentable, you know, and I had all these thoughts about my curly hair. And so I've been straightening my hair for 20 years. And finally, last summer, I decided, you know what? I'm, my hair is getting so damaged and dried out and all the straightening. I'm just going to embrace my curly hair. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the negative thoughts that come in over something as simple as your hair color style. You know, it's like so sure. dumb. But that's when I realized, like, wait a minute. These are just thoughts I'm having about my curly hair. That's That's not true. It doesn't. Just because my hair is curly doesn't mean I'm lazy and that I didn't get ready today, you know? And so I had to really question that. Like, why do I think that? Where is that coming from? And so I imagine like being a lawyer in a court and you have to prove your clients, you know, like innocence or prove where. And so he has his briefcase full of evidence of (laughs) the truth of what's being said. 
So what would my briefcase of evidence be about oh, this wow. thought that I'm having? Right? Very interesting. And so Very. I try to stop myself when I have these negative thoughts and kind of start spiraling into this crazy thought pattern of going, wait a second, what would be in my briefcase? Where, where's the evidence that this is even a true thought? Just because I think it, that's not evidence enough. Because somebody else said it, that's still not evidence enough, you know? So <laughs> it's amazing what happens to your mind when you have to really question your thoughts and find out where these are really coming from and dig a little deeper to what the truth is. I like is. that. What a, what a great method. Turn it into a little court case, and you, what does the lawyer have in his briefcase to counter what, what your initial inclination was? That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it helped a lot. And it's funny because I've had curly hair pretty much since last summer, and then today I straightened it. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> just have, I'm like, oh, wait, that was so funny. I'm like, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> so anyway, you didn't see my curly hair yet. But <laughs> that's all right. You do well, have like, very I like what I see, and it, I'm sure it's beautiful the other way too. So <laughs> I'm not worried about it one way or Thank the other. Thank you. But it yeah. is it is something that I really had to, you know, think about and realize what I was really telling myself. And it's okay. Curly hair is just as cute, so it's fine. There's <laughs> nothing it's, wrong with it. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. As you, it's funny though, as you were describing that, it also occurred to me. Your story illustrates two things. First of all, it illustrates how you can actually play a little mental game with yourself to kind of turn things around. But it also illustrates something that we talk a lot about here on the show, how we as human beings beat ourselves up. Oh, so bad. Oh, my goodness. We are we are more cruel to ourselves than to anyone. Right. It's just right. amazing how, I mean, if, if we if, if we were to treat our spouses the way our treat our, we treat ourselves, we'd be divorced by now. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have lasted a day. That's or, right. <laughs> I always think of like my best friend and my husband's so sweet this way too. If I put myself down in front of him, hmm. then he'll be like, please don't talk about my wife like that. You know, oh, he always reminds nice me right then. I'm like, okay, all right. You know, but I think of my best friend. That's what I was about to say is like, you know, how would I talk about her? You know, I would never. Mm -hmm put her down and I have her on a pedestal or I think she's amazing, perfect and wonderful and beautiful and all these wonderful things, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I can't see any of that in myself. And so it's been a good lesson of like, okay, we got to be nicer to ourselves than we are to our best friends. You know, it starts with us and then can trickle to everyone else in our lives. So if we're not being nice to ourselves, it's really hard for us to be loving and accepting and kind and give grace to other people in our lives. It's really almost impossible if we're not giving it to ourselves first. That's right. Work on that. Yeah, the self-love, and, and that's really the core of it, isn't it? It's, it's self-love, loving the self. Yeah. It, it takes practice, yeah. especially if we have a lifetime of not doing it. It definitely takes a lot of practice. Yes, yes. I've been married almost 30 years, like next week. And so I've heard my husband's voice in my head for 30 years trying to undo all the stuff I heard for 15 years before that. So I think I'm finally <laughs> starting to come out of it, but it still is a, a reminder every day. It got to the point where I'd have to put like something on my mirror, you know, to focus on like, oh, I like my eyelashes today, <laughs> you know, just to try to keep myself thinking positive for more than a couple minutes, yeah. you know, and it starts with just simple things that you got to start appreciating about yourself and mm -hmm. find things that to love about yourself. Oh, the biggest thing that changed me too was an interview I did last year of a lady who was burned over like 75% of her body Ooh. and her attitude about that. Cause it would be very easy to just 
look at her scars and her misshape and, you know, all the things. But I love what she said about herself and how much she loves herself and how unique her look is and how she could have fixed, like she had her ear was kind of burned off as so she didn't really have much of an ear. And I remember her saying the doctors wanted her to get like a prosthetic ear, you know, to put on there. And she's like, so I'm going to go through another surgery so that I'll look like a way that other people will feel comfortable looking at me. And she's Mm. like, boy, that's powerful. That's a strong person. She's like, I like my little ear. It's unique. Nobody else has a little ear like this and I'm just going to leave it. And ever since Mm. I heard that, I thought, wow, I need to be better to myself. You know, Mm. like she's such a good example of just loving yourself, even imperfections and quirky things or things you hate about yourself. Just look at them as unique for you. And that's what makes you who you are. That's very good. As we're talking about this, I'm also thinking about another topic we've discussed on the show a lot. Um, the idea of mirror work, the, the Louise Hay exercise of looking in the mirror and loving yourself and praising yourself and all that kind of thing. And I, I, I recall the first time I decided to try that. I actually didn't try it because of Louise Hay, because I first heard about it from Jack Canfield, who of course yeah. was also a secret. And the reason he had engaged in it wasn't so much to build up his self-esteem, but because he had heard that if he did, he would be able to get rid of that voice in the back of his head. And so he figured he'd do it for 30 days to see if he could get rid of the voice. And he did. And I heard that. I said, okay, I'm willing to try that. Let, let, let's give that a shot. So I remember vividly my first day and I, my, my self-esteem really wasn't very good. I thought it was, but it really wasn't. I, the way I could tell was on my first day, I looked in the mirror and I kind of winced. And I said, I love you. Oh, I can't do anymore. And that was it. That was the end of my first day. <laughs> exactly. You know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> and then the, the second day was a little better. I was able to, to hold the, the, the gaze for five seconds before I cringed and ran away. Um, and then after a few days of it, it started to get better and better. And then around day 17, I noticed that I was getting a change. That voice was getting quieter. And by day 25, it was very quiet to the point where it was down to a whisper. And by day 30, it was actually gone. And it's been gone ever since. And there are times when I ask myself, do I miss it? And as soon as I say it, instantly I hear the answer back. No, you don't. You know you don't miss that voice at all. It's so glad that it's gone. It's nice and quiet in your own head. You can focus on your own stuff. But man, oh man, it does take a while to get there. And yes. are a great way to get there. They are a really good way. It's hard to start, like you said, or even to oh, yeah. keep doing it and you cringe and you have trouble with it. And again, I think back to like that best friend. And if I had a best friend telling me the things that I say mean about myself, you know, oh, this is so mm-hmm. ugly. I hate this. This is so big. This is so bad. This is. And if I was saying it out loud to my best friend, she'd be like, what? You're crazy. Like, I think you're amazing and, and wonderful and perfect and shiny and beautiful, you know, and she would just be like, you're, you're, I don't see what you see, you know? Yeah. And so as I think about that, if my best friend was saying these mean things that I say about myself and how defensive I would be about like, no, that is not true. That's not right. Mm. So we have to kind of stop ourselves about ourselves too. But one thing I've noticed is that as I start believing that it's interesting because people come across this way and you'll run across people all the time and you see them and you look at them and there's a pleasant person to look at or whatever. Or the, oh, this person's really hot or this one's not or whatever. And we make that quick judgment. Mm-hmm. But if we can see inside them and see 
what they've been through and where they are and yeah, why yeah. they are who they are. And, and you automatically are just drawn to this person as, as a beautiful soul. And you can kind of see past whatever features, you know, and you can just be like, this is a human being this is a person with struggles and, and life and goals and dreams that, you know, and they're just a human being and they want to be loved too. And it just makes you want to be a little bit more kinder and understanding. And who are we to judge what's ugly or what's beautiful? Where's the scale? Who's the judge? You know, so we just need to embrace each other, however we're at and just enjoy our uniqueness. I, the way I've approached it has been to say, well, everything's beautiful. Absolutely. Is, is there anything Absolutely. that's not? I, I mean, if I really, really put my mind to it, I might be able to put a list together. And even there, th this has been something I've been working on for myself the last year or so. Can I look at the stuff that is like universally hated, like the Adolf Hitlers of the world? And can I find a way to love any of that? And the first time I thought about that, my, my mind just recoiled, like, what are you doing? Stop that. Get out of this realm. You don't want to be there. But I was insistent. And it's been an interesting adventure. And I call it an adventure advisedly because every step that I can find one thing, one little thing to appreciate about something that I really dislike, I end up feeling much better about myself every single time without fail. And not just a little bit better. I mean, like substantially better. Oh. My day improves just because I found one thing to appreciate about something or somebody that I didn't appreciate before. Mm. I love that. That's so great. It's a good reminder. Yeah. I think that as we're very vocal about ourselves, like as we come into a room and be like, Oh, I hate the way I look today. I hate the way my hair is. I hate this dress, this clothes, whatever. And we start saying that and the people in the room are like, no, you know, no, this is great. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't want to come in and announce that in a room, you know, but we're all feeling a little bit like self-conscious of how we look, you know? And so it's mm -hmm. like, what if we could just go in and be like, you know what? Everybody else is struggling with something that they don't like about themselves either, probably, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to draw attention to mine, that's just kind of silly to be thinking that everybody's thinking of me. Because they're not. They're all worried about themselves. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, yeah. We, we certainly set ourselves up in a m multitude of ways, one of which is what you just identified, that we, we set ourselves up as being this really horrible person. Everybody else thinks of us that way, and nobody's even thinking about nobody it. Nobody notices you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even on their mind. It's not even in their realm of, of, of possibilities. It's only in ours. Yeah. Wow. Why, why do we think that we are everybody's universe? <laughs> we're not. <laughs> but, all, but only when, when we're thinking about how rotten it is. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. It goes equal with that. Yep. What the heck exactly is that all about? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. That's something I've been working on a lot. So it's very fresh on my mind. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. It's another that example of how we beat ourselves up. How we, Absolutely. We're, like, we're, we're the champions at knocking ourselves out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and haven't you noticed if you like say something negative about yourself and then it almost feels like if anybody hears you say that, then they're going to be like, well, what are you thinking about other people in the room? Like if you can't see mm -hmm. your own goodness and beauty and you're cutting down what I think is really great, you know, then they're going to be like, are you cutting down everybody in the room? Like, are you finding fault with everyone if you're so focused on finding fault with yourself? Yeah. And so I've been thinking about that too, of just like, wow, if I go in there and say, oh, I feel so gross. I'm so ugly. I'm so this. And people look at me and be like, okay, I don't see what you're seeing, but now you probably think that of me too. <laughs> I'm like, no, 
no, I'm just self-absorbed. I'm just into myself and all worried about how I'm coming across. And I remember one time stressing about like what to wear at a speaking engagement. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be up in front of all these people and they're all going to be staring at me and I don't want to wear anything distracting. I don't want to wear anything that's not a good color on me. I don't want to, you know, and you just get all, and then all of a sudden I thought, I doubt any of those people are wondering what they're going to wear today. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to sit and look at them. You know? So they aren't in their closet crying. Like I have nothing to wear while Heidi looks at me on stage. So I, have to go, I, thought, I have to go to the speech today and Heidi is going to be looking right yeah. at me. And I don't know how I can handle that. Right? <laughs> Does this color bring out my eyes? I mean, they are, don't, they don't even care. They don't care. And so I thought, why am I giving more time to this than anybody else? This is silly. So I stopped crying about it and got dressed and I didn't care. <laughs> I love the way you, you, you find ways to essentially very gently laugh at yourself. Right. Right. It's just how silly we're being. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. We're being kind of self-absorbed and we need to stop. So. And and we know the humor. Humor is good for us. Humor helps lift the spirits. It helps to shed all the junk that we carry, all that baggage and stuff that we carry along helps us to get rid of it. So anytime we can laugh, I mean, that's, that's something that the the sciences have found, you know, psychology and so forth. They have found, over and over and over again. Laughter sheds all that junk. It really so, does. It yeah. helps. Just make it light. Just enjoy life. It's short. It's very short. So and, just enjoy. And there is so much to enjoy too. Yeah. So much good. Yeah. There's yeah, so much to lucky. enjoy. There's so much yeah. beauty. People, uh, th- this was a sort of a topic on the show yesterday, all of the, all of the, the horrors going on in the world. But by the same token, there is a lot of beauty in the world. Yeah, you can focus. There's, there's always horrors to look for and you don't have to look far, no. but isn't it much more interesting to find the beauty? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's so much it. better. Yes. And it's, it's like something you, what you focus on grows too. So whatever you're yes. looking for, if you're going to look for the negative and look for the horror, you'll find it. You'll find it everywhere. Or you can focus on the good. You can focus mm-hmm. on the people that are doing good things and you'll find that everywhere. And it's a really magical thing. It's really cool. I even started a goal for myself this year of giving an award every day to like the best, I call it the best award, simply the best. So the best award. And so each day I have a reminder on my phone and I'll write it down, like what the award was for today. You know, I got the best, the best puppy I saw with his head out the window of a car, you know, or something, something is the best today. You know, the best ice cream I ate today or whatever. And so each day I've been writing down. So it's been a whole couple of months now the year of 2022 that I've been uh, writing down and giving awards each day, just in my mind. I don't tell anybody about it or whatever and just enjoy it. And it's amazing at the end of the day, I'm like, what can I give an award for? There were so many best things today because I'm looking for it. And so it's narrowing it down to just one that's actually been the challenge. So I love that. It's been a really good challenge for myself. I love that approach. I mean, what you're doing is an appreciation or a series of appreciations, and we all know yes. the importance of that. But you've turned it into an awards ceremony. Yep, it's that's an pretty cool. It's been really I good. I like that. Yeah, it's been really good. I like that. And, and you, you mentioned that you write it down sometimes too, yep. and the it just reinforces it. It just yep. makes it stronger. Yep. And then the goal is to not rewrite the same thing, right? You know, yeah. so it's like, well, I already gave an award for that. So I got to think of something else. <laughs> so otherwise I'd give an award for my grandkids every day. Well, my grandkids are the best. <laughs> my grandkids well, are the best. Well, it's wrong with that. I mean, it's okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. After 365 days of my grandkids are the best, I can think outside the box a little bit more than that. Probably a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try to challenge myself. Think outside. Just one better. <laughs> so it's pretty great. 
yeah, it's really helped a lot. And I had the challenge idea a couple months before the end of the year last year. And I, I hesitated because I thought, you know, in my, my thinking, my negative thinking comes back in of like, well, if you're going to focus on all these great things and be looking for the good, then hard things are going to come that you're going to be glad that you're already in this habit of focusing mm-hmm. on the good. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cause that's just what life is. So bring it on, you know? So that's what we're doing. And the first couple of months have been, there's been some trials. There's been some hard things we've had to go through, but I sure. still have my award at the end of the day that I can give out. So it's been really Do you good. give out just one? Just one award? Per day? I do. I do one a day. Yep. Just one, one a day. award per day. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so it's hard when, great. you know, you got to think of something every day. That's well, that's just it. I mean, because you, you set the challenge, it has to be something different. Yes. I do want something different. Yeah. And, you know, like, um, like I said, there's been challenges and stuff this year, but I was able to give an award for my son being the pallbearer at his best friend's funeral. Oh, you know? wow. And, and the award, the best award, you know, to watch my baby be able to do that for yeah. his friend. So it's hard because you got to find something, you know, and that was mm-hmm. tragic time. They're 28 years old, too young, too young, you know, and uh, as you focus on the tragedy and the pain and the hardness of it and the missing and the, all the grief, you know, and then you have to look at some beautiful things that have come from it too. And so it's been hard, but that's why the awards help me stay focused on what's good. So I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we actually talked about, we touched on this subject a bit during uh, the podcast we did on your show earlier today about uh, what grief is about and how love is such a strong antidote to that yes. grief. And we, we often forget about that. We forget. I mean, that's really why we're grieving. We've forgotten the love, but it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a shock yeah. when the love comes back like, Oh, oh yeah, there was love there. I, I'd forgotten about that. Mm, yes. Right. Yes. Yes. I and think it's, it, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I was just going to say that when it, when that shock arrives, it's, it, it's not so much a rebuke. It's more like, what was I thinking? You know, That's exactly it. It, it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sad that that person's gone or I'm sad that that situation happened, but I forgot about the loving part. And if I love it, then the shock and the sadness is so much less. What am I doing here? What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And then you almost want to stop yourself like, no, I need to stay sad so I can honor this yeah. person. You know, they need to know how much I love and care about them. And if I'm happy, then they'll think that I'm happy they're gone. You know, why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we tell ourselves that we can't be happy anymore if we have a loss? It's really hard. Really, Again, we have to question our thoughts. And as we talked about earlier on, on your show, if that person who's passed on was there standing in front of you, they put their hands on, on their hips and say, what are you doing? You know, that's not the way I want you to be. What on earth is going through your mind right now? Yes, yes that's exactly it. I know I would do that to my family. Mm-hmm. If they were moping around or even sad for, you know, and, oh, we can't, we can't go to Disneyland anymore because that was mom's favorite place to go. I'd be like, yeah. what are you talking about? Of course right. you have to go to Disneyland. Like, go and have fun together still. Like that's the most important thing you could do. And so I just think, wow, we do that to ourselves. Like when we have a loss, we just think that we have died as well and that we can't Mm -hmm. live anymore. And we have to really work on that thinking and just realize 
what we would want our loved ones to do if we were gone. It doesn't serve I, you if they're crying all day and laying in bed. It doesn't, doesn't no, help. No, it doesn't. I, I remember the first time that I was exposed to how uh, a, a funeral is conducted in New Orleans with a New Orleans jazz band and how it starts off with the band playing a dirge and everybody's sad and they're moping. And then partway through, they just whip into a high speed swing song and they're just dancing down the street. And they're celebrating the life of the person who passed and so forth. I'm thinking, wow, what a great concept. I don't know who thought of that. I don't know where that came from. But finding a way to celebrate the person instead of mourn the person when they've died. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed funerals I've been to more recently in the past several years. It's been, they even say it's a celebration of life, even on the Mm -hmm. program, you know, and they have Mm -hmm. family members and people get up and share experiences and memories and it is beautiful like it is quite the tribute to that person and it's not sad you can laugh and remember all these great things that they've done and it's a beautiful thing so it's hard it's hard and we Mm -hmm. need to grieve i'm not trying to make light of that at all like i've had enough loss in my life i know it's very very hard to get through it um and you do find a way you do you do come out on the other end and you do keep living one day at a time and you find a way to move on and always have that memory and always have that person close. And that's what's important is to live for them. You didn't die that day too. So mm-hmm. got to focus on that. Yeah. I'm wondering also if you've had an experience like I had. Now, my dad didn't pass the way your dad passed. He had a normal lifespan. He died in 2008 before the crash, before everything fell apart. <laughs> uh, but at, when, when he died, it was... I had a reverse grieving experience. That's the best way I can think of to describe it. Because what ended up happening was I did all my grieving before he died. Mm. After he died, the grieving was over. And I thought, is there there something wrong with me? (laughs) I mean, that's not the way it's supposed to work. They're supposed to die. You grieve and then then you go through a grieving period. But I had already gone through it. It was such an odd thing. And then to add to the experience. um, Now, I, I don't know what your spiritual beliefs are. We haven't really gotten into that. But. When my dad passed, um, my sister has some degree of psychic ability developed. And about three or four days later, she was with my mom at my mom's church. And they were sitting there hearing a sermon or something. And all of a sudden, my sister started to get this really strong, like a migraine kind of headache. And she had taken enough classes about connecting to your psychic abilities and so forth to realize she was getting a message. And so she said, oh, Okay. And of course, the first thought that came to her her mind was, dad, is that you? And immediately she got a yes. And so my sister, being my sister, (laughs) first question she asked my dad when she identifies that it's him, what's it like on the other side? (laughs) (laughs) That's the question everybody wants to know. Oh, that's awesome. And the answer came back festive. Oh, I love that. And she passed that story along to me. As soon as she told me that story, I knew she wasn't making it up. And the way I knew that she was not making it up is my sister was a theater major, a dramatist. Festive is the last word she would have. She would have said amazing, awesome, incredible, unbelievable. She would never have said festive. But festive is definitely what I call a dad word. My dad would have loved the use of that word. So that's how I knew it was actually my dad's energy coming through. And that story got shared amongst all my immediate family. So anyway, my dad's memorial service was a few days after that. 
So we went to the memorial service. And you know how it is when you go to a, a funeral or a memorial service, um, the, the immediate family, at least in uh, Protestant churches, meets with the minister or the pastor or whoever is, you know, presiding over the proceedings there. And so we were, we were in a, a private room with him and we, and my family and I, we we're all just kind of chatty. We're talking about things. We weren't even talking about my dad. We we're just talking about things that are going on and so forth. And he had this really strange look on his face. I'm saying, what on, what's that look on his face all about? And it finally occurred to me, Oh my God, he's here to console us and we don't need consoling and he doesn't know what to do. It was really odd. But what was even more interesting, now I, I also have to give you a little family background in that my parents were pretty devoutly religious. We were brought up that way, but we'd all gone our own direction. I had pretty much gotten to the point of being agnostic and even atheistic at one point before I got into the secret and that started developing or redeveloping my spiritual side. My sister, I, I wouldn't even try to characterize where she's been. She kind of puts her feet in all pots. So she's like, you know, sort of a, a mixture of it. And my brother, I mean, it, it, it was none of it was ever important to him on any level that I knew about. Um, later on, he and my sister-in-law and I did the podcast together, so I got to learn a little bit about what his spiritual beliefs there were. But it, it was never a big topic for him. So here we are. We're meeting with the minister. It's time for the service. We go into the service. We sit in the front row in the front pew, like, you know, that's what usually happens. And he gets up into his pulpit and he starts talking about the amazing level of faith in our family. And I literally had to put my hand over my mouth to keep myself from laughing because of all the people sitting there, my mom was the only one who was even a churchgoer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which obviously it, it goes to show that faith obviously has very little to do with religion. It has much more to do with spirituality and belief. But nevertheless, I'll never forget that particular set of experiences because everything was backward from the way, quote, it was supposed to be, unquote. It didn't match any of the norms. We, I did my grieving before my dad died. When he died, we were in celebration mode. It all felt normal. In fact, the really odd part was after that service, they, they had a fellowship hall. We went down to the fellowship hall. They had, you know, treats and so forth. And there was, there was a little display about my dad. There was some music playing, which was music from the, the 30s and 40s, because that was his era. And it was, you know, that included swing music. My brother and I are both swing dancers. So we're doing these dances in the middle of the floor. And all these people who we don't know, who are members of the church, are coming up to us and trying to console us for our loss. And we're ending up consoling them because they're the ones who are all broken up about it. We're like, no, that's okay. It's all right. He's, he's fine. We got the message from the other side. He's doing great. Everything's festive. No big deal. It, it, it was just a very surreal experience all the way around. Yeah. Very, very weird. Yeah. Sounds like a wonderful gift you were given. I love it was. that. That's a beautiful story. That's great. And, and, and it wasn't like I didn't miss my dad. In fact, of course, I, I went yeah. after that. I, 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 you know, kind of sunk in like, Oh, geez, I'm not going to be able to have conversations with him anymore. I yeah. really want to have another conversation with him. And within like a month of that, I had a, a half dreaming experience of meeting him again. Yeah. And with full body contact, I could hug him. I could feel him. It was the whole nine yards and so forth. And we had this long conversation in my dream state, you know? So even there, I, I got to have my wish. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. that was great. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Very positive. I love that. If we only knew for sure, you know, I think we'd not spend so much time being as sad as we do. So I think that's a good reminder. And I think as we, as we each get our own 
input, our own pieces of information. I mean, you described a variety of ways during today's show of how you identify, oh, I am doing this thing that I would never treat my friend that way. And, and, and you get a little, little, little tidbit of energy, a little bit of tidbit of, of information that comes that way. And we keep gathering these tidbits as we accumulate them over time. They, well, they accumulate, they pile up. Yep. And, and then the evidence starts to be like that evidence in your lawyer's briefcase. Yep. Like, oh yeah, there's, there's a preponderance here going on and it's pretty strong. That's exactly it. Yep. It's yeah. that simple, but that hard at the same time, right? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Just we got to retrain these brains that they're on autopilot survival mode. It's like we have to stop and say, no, hold on. Why am I going there? Just stop. Don't need to go down this track again. We know where that leads. So let's try something different. Let's think outside the box a little bit. Let's think. And that's why I love to teach and do motivational speaking because I try to teach people just a little bit different way of looking at some of the things mm -hmm. that we get kind of stuck on. So I love that. So it's been great to talk to you and hear your perspective too. Oh, absolutely. One, th one thing I want to get back to is, though is your podcast because we, we identified that you have this really cool podcast and yeah. a really cool topic. Okay. Um, now, when when I was doing your show with you, I, I talked about how I had really just fallen in love with, with podcasting and how it, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Yes. I'm curious, can you talk about how the experience has been for you to do your podcast? Yeah, it has. I mean, we use the word life changing, you know, in such a easy way, but wow, it, I, like I said, I started as a radio talk show in 1999 and stopped in 2000, started again in 2020 when things were really crazy. And I just felt like it was time to bring back the lemonade stand because we were so focused on pandemic things that were happening in that year and things were getting, people were getting so much anxiety and so depressed and there just wasn't anything good. It felt like there's nothing good going on. And so I brought back the lemonade stand and started it and immediately interviewed some incredible people. And it just was so inspiring to hear people's stories of how they've overcome something that I certainly wouldn't want to go through and what they've done because of it and how they are and what they teach or what they know or what they experienced and how their life is because of what they went through. And I love learning from other people so that maybe I don't have to experience the hard thing myself. <laughs> you know, this is like, oh, sure. I want to learn better thinking. I want to learn more positivity. I want to learn how to take hard things and make the world better because of them. And so it's been so inspiring. Actually, today you were my 150th interview. So that was really special oh. too. I didn't realize that at the time, but yeah, you were 150 today that I've been doing since uh, 2020 and well, uh, October of 2020. So it hasn't even been a year and a half yet that I've wow. been doing this. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing. I've been so blessed. And I just the whole purpose of my podcast is to inspire people. I want to have somebody be able to listen to it and hear that story and go, I am better now and my life is better now after hearing that story. That's my goal with it. I don't do it to make money or to be rich and famous. I just want people to hear it. I just want people to be encouraged and have hope. And I always wonder if my dad could have heard something positive or was given any kind of hope that things would change and things could get better. And it's just for today hold on for one more day, hold on for one more hour, hold on for one more minute. And if my podcast can help people hold on just a little bit longer in the 30 minutes, they hear a story to just kind of encourage them to keep going, 
and that things do end and that you do get through it. Problems change. I just, it encourages me so much to be able to do that. And I loved how you said your podcast kind of gives you that, that fix that, that oh, like yeah. it's a drug. And I'm like, that's exactly what happens. I cry through most of mine, but <laughs> afterwards I always feel like, Oh, that was so great. You know, I feel so much better now. And I just, I feel like now after doing it for so long, I start every sentence with, well, this one podcast or this one, yeah, <laughs> this one guest, I feel like I say that every day now. Well, I had this one guest tell me I had this one podcast about, I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't stop. That's good stuff. That's good. But it's affected my life so much that now I literally talk about it all the time. <laughs> it's just been amazing things. And I think especially one guest would say how much we love looking at the ocean, you know, when it's calm and the sun's setting and it looks like glass and it's so beautiful. But then we love looking at the ocean when it's big, foamy, crashing waves too. And so our lives are like the ocean, you know, we got to have the calm, but we've got to have the storms and it's all part of it. It's all beautiful things. And I, I think of that imagery a lot when I'm talking to someone who's been through something hard and, and they got to the calm ocean again, you know, they went through the waves and they made it and they're in the calm time. Doesn't mean they're not going to be waves again. You know, that happens. And in fact, I've even started going back and finding people I interviewed 21 years ago and trying to reconnect with them to find out what's Ooh. happened since we last talked 21 years ago. So Very that's nice. Been really cool too. And guess yeah. what? They've had more lemons that they've had to deal with. So it's <laughs> been, it's been, isn't beautiful. it amazing? <laughs> I know. Weird. It's not like that one happened and they told me on the radio and nothing's ever happened since then. Mm. No, they've lived a life and they've had a lot of trials and things they've had to deal with. And so it's mm. been, wonderful to go back and see how they're doing now and they're plugging along. So that's what we do. We help that's each other. Point. We got to help each other and inspire each other. That's what we're here for. You are succeeding admirably in that regard. Thank so you. thank you for what you do with Heidi's Lemonade Stand. Thank and you. Uh, I presume you're on all the, the major and most of the minor podcast yep. platforms. Yep. Yep. You, you can even Google it. Too, right? <laughs> what? You also have a website too. Yep. I have a website, Heidi's Lemonade Stand and a Facebook, Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Love to connect so, with people. I'd love to get more stories. So if anybody wants to tell me their story, I'll turn on the microphone. I love it. Sounds like the right attitude to me. Mm -hmm. I love it as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad we did this, uh, this back to back show thing today. Yeah. That was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. That's good. It's it, good to keep going on the momentum that we had earlier. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and thank you for, for the, re re the return visit, because the funny thing is when you get into uh, the, the zone, so to speak, of doing one of these, you don't want to stop. And after we had done yours, it's like, oh, no, it's too soon. I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to stop yet. So we got to do a second one. Like, oh, good. We don't have to stop. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love but it's it. True. It's yeah. true. That's exactly the way it felt. I think it did for you too. I do that. I do the recording with someone and then I edit it all by myself. So I listen to it again. And then as soon as I air it, I listen to it again. So I listen to every podcast at least minimum of three times and usually wow. four or five times. <laughs> I'll listen to it wow. again, just randomly like, I want to listen to another one. And so I love my own podcast. I like listening to people's stories. I don't talk much during my own podcast because I feel like the microphone is theirs. It's their opportunity to tell their story. And so I just love to be inspired by people. So that's my fix. That's my drug. <laughs> so I'll keep doing it for a long time. I'm so glad to hear that you're going to do that. That is a wonderful thing. 
And thank, thank you for you. everything you are doing in that regard. I hope you do it for years and years to come. Thank and thank you. you for taking the time to join us on the show today. I appreciate yeah. that as well. It's awesome. Thank you. It's been my honor to be here. So I appreciate it. It's wonderful. Thanks for doing what you're doing and getting the word out and spreading good news and perseverance and law of attraction, good stuff out there. Good vibes. I love it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere, because without you, we wouldn't have much of a podcast. So we'll see you all (laughs) next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.